You're listening to a wellbeing podcast, and I'm Katie Jane. This podcast supports us to redefine health and wellness as we may know it. It encourages us to embrace all aspects of wellbeing and what this means for us to live with greater ease and joy and to create our own purpose filled life. I'm Katie, I'm a holistic therapist, life coach, wellness practitioner, meditation teacher writer and author. I am passionate about self-empowered healing, ways to feel calm through uncertainty and change, embracing self-care as a natural way of being and supporting you and all of us to thrive through life transitions in our own unique and personal ways. Enjoy listening to inspired conversations I share here with special guests and solo episodes too. Hit subscribe and you'll receive these weekly and I want to thank you for being here and for listening in. Thanks for listening in today. It's such a delight to share this episode with you today. I'm sharing a conversation with Kimberly Smith and it's really beautiful to have Kimberly sitting in front of me here because we're doing this over Zoom. But to those of you listening in, of course, on this podcast, Kim is a writer, a singer and a coach. And her message, well, there's a lot of messages which we can talk about today, but... <laughs> She has written that she unfurling what it, it means to actively create a sacred relationship with our humanness and creativity, to live fiercely and artfully. And I know that Kim has two websites now. She has a website that I'm familiar with because she has been doing singing coaching for quite a long time. And that website is that sweet raw, but she also has a new website that is embodying your artistry. So it will be really good to talk about all of Kim's passions and combining that into how Kim views her own well-being, what that means for her. And it's just such a delight to share this with you here. So welcome, Kim. Thank you for your time today. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited about seeing where this conversation flows to. Yeah. <laughs> so beautiful because we've been connecting online for so long so it's so lovely I already feel like I've known you for so long <laughs> <laughs> that's the best thing about social media isn't it <laughs> it is I know especially when you connect with the right people it's really lovely and that's the lovely thing about podcast conversations I'm finding as well is which I've delved into um you know wanting to share every week this year a conversation as well because it's such a lovely way to connect with people so i really appreciate you being here and connecting with you in person as close to it Thank as we can you. so i've <laughs> yeah. given you a little bit of an intro but maybe you would love to expand on that to start with <laughs> in your own oh gosh head. yeah um well, that, that captures a lot of it, but um, I, I guess if I can just do a, a brief kind of um, backstory, um, I have always loved to sing. I studied singing at university and 
it really stripped a lot of what I loved out of it. It became very serious. It became very competitive. Um, there was a lot of sort of shaming in the culture. And so then I started to become really passionate about never letting an artist be subjected to something like that again, um, because there is a lot of yeah competitiveness in our industry. We have to deal with a lot of rejection. There's stories about, you know, the starving artist, or as we've unfortunately seen in the pandemic, a lot of artists are being undervalued and kind of feeling unseen at this time. There are a lot of them out of work, unsupported. Um, so yeah, I just feel like I'm, um, I want to be this fierce warrior, uh, speaking up for the artist and mm. reminding them how valued they are, how necessary they are in our society. And if, if we're talking about well-being, they contribute to that in such beautiful ways. Yeah. And so I, yeah, I, I became a, a singing coach, I would say maybe 12 years ago full-time and I loved teaching people how to wrangle their voices as I would say learning into into the technique but what really drew me was how their emotional world colored their voice and colored whether or not it was tense or strained or if it would crack um, how they would use their breath when they felt um vulnerable or when they felt fear or doubted themselves, um, whether they were trying to be perfect versus expressive. And so, yeah, I wrote a book about that maybe four or five years ago and have really kind of pivoted more into that realm ever since because I just find it so fascinating. And I feel, I feel on purpose when I talk about this and share about this. So, yeah. Beautiful. Gosh, that's gorgeous. And I can feel um, the fierceness, the fierce passion that comes. From you. Yeah. <laughs> and perhaps even a renewed sense of that this year. Would that be right to say? Yeah, that would definitely be right to say. Yeah. 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 It's really interesting that you've mentioned about COVID and the impact that that's had for artists. So um, not being in my, I guess I'd call myself a creative and a lot of people would call themselves creatives, I guess, but I'm certainly not an artist, although something that people probably don't know about me is that I am a singer, but not a professional singer. Well, I used to do it as a part-time living sort of, but yeah. Awesome, so yeah. Probably that's maybe a reason that we might've connected, Kim. You know how there's often common threads Beautiful. between why people connect, yeah. So yes. Yeah, I never knew that about you. There you go. I don't think people listening in would know that about me either, but I used to be a, um, one of the, a wedding singer, you know, or a party singer. One of those, one of those people we used yeah. to do it as a casual, casual job on the side. So yeah. And play piano. So I've, I've always been a musician in my life and it's always been a passion of mine. So, and that's going off on a tangent because I wanted to bring it back to artists and what you said. <laughs> about COVID because mm. I've been very aware of this. Um, yeah, and perhaps you would like to just expand on that a little bit because I think that, um, yeah, I really understand that COVID has had, has had a big impact on, you know, artists mm. and that industry in such a significant way. And, um, yeah, I'd love you to share a little bit more about that and how, yeah, your own experiences with that and experiences with others in that industry too. Yeah. Um, well, I, I feel quite 
lucky at this point in my life. I'm not doing a lot of performing um, because I was meant to be traveling in 2020. Oh, were you? <laughs> so, yeah. yeah, I was meant to be on a nine-month world trip and we Good got enough. three weeks into it. Yeah, and um, COVID hit. So my, my life was sort of shaken up like a snow globe in the best of ways. Um, well, it ended up being in the, in the best of ways. But um, I do speak to a lot of artists and I'm in a lot of artists groups, particularly musicians. I can mostly speak to the experience of musicians and they're so reliant, so many of them on live performance. Mm. And so live performance has been completely um, taken out of the, mm. the picture. Yeah. And a lot of them are not... Um, do not have a, you know, a, a structured business. They'll be on sort of casual um, arrangements in terms of payment. And so even in Australia where we're so lucky that we had government support available, mm-hmm. um, a lot of them were not eligible for a, a certain amount of that. And then also in other countries, I've heard that they haven't been eligible for similar reasons. And so, I mean, I had a friend who actually had to move back to New Zealand from Australia um, because he was a um, like a, a permanent resident, but not a citizen. And so then you have all of these yeah, people that are yeah. displaced and unseen in, in different ways. Yeah. So it's, yeah, it's really tough because it's all, it's not only their livelihoods, but it, it, it's what keeps them vibrant. You know, it's, it's such a big part of them being mm-hmm. able to share their gifts with people and so a few of them have done things like Zoom concerts, yeah, um, which, which is a, a great idea. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. But it isn't the same. And okay. so they don't get the same feedback. They're, they feel like they're, they're kind of, you know, in this little box and it doesn't have the mm-hmm. same electricity that it does live. Um, and, yeah, I think a lot of them are just feeling quite, alone in this and I know that that's actually that we can speak to most people in the world have this have this deep sense of loneliness and this yearning for connection because we've had to connect in this way for so long and and I don't think humans were meant to I think that we were meant to be in conversation in real time being able to you know hug each other and hold each other's hands and feel like a physical support as well as um yeah. just with words so yeah, yeah. does that does yeah. that sort of explain yeah, where no it's I can really resonate with that I've been you know someone on the sidelines who's deeply missed a, a great passion of mine is going to live concerts and live mm. you know live music events and yeah so I've as a participant have greatly missed that. So, and have also been very aware of the mental health effects in, you know, for the arts industry. So yeah, it's been, you know, which is going to take wherever we live in the world, I guess in Australia, hopefully things are starting to improve more now, but in other parts of the world, obviously it's in really very difficult place. So yeah. Yeah. Well, here in Perth, we've, We've been very lucky. I went to a, a live concert. I would say, well, it was just it was just a, a guitarist up on a stage, socially distanced. But I would say it was even sort of May, like quite early, because we were so lucky here. Yeah. Um, and I cried. 
Yes. <laughs> and that was, you know, only a few months with it, but it's the unknown, I think, that, that really like settles in our bones. Yeah. And the other problem was that I think it was the UK government released a um, poster that was supposed to encourage artists to reskill and the arts community got very aggravated, rightly so, by this because people were like, okay, well, you know, you can't do the arts, so go and do something else. It's kind of that narrative of get a real job yeah, um, that, okay. we, that a lot of us have been struggling to fight against for our whole lives. And so yeah. that's another piece of the puzzle that mm. yeah, I saw playing out. Yeah, well, that would feed into, I know what you mentioned as well, but you talk about a little bit with shame you mentioned about artists. Yeah, so, yeah, what talk to me about this because I know that this is um, and would be relevant for anyone listening in who is an artist. Do you talk mm. to all artists as, you know, all creatives or do you prefer to talk to artists as musicians for you? No, I feel like my personal experience when I'm drawing on personal stories, it's it's either um, music-based or it's writing-based. Yeah. Um, but no, I love speaking to all creatives. I'm fascinated by photography yeah. and, and design. When you, when and you use the word artist, you, re, you would be talking to all creatives, all creative people. All creatives. Okay. Yeah. I think that it's, it's such an interesting discussion to have. And you mentioned it. You're like, you, you feel comfortable owning the word creative, but very uncomfortable owning the word artist. <laughs> and yeah. that's something that I, he I hear a lot. Like the word artist has so much weight to it. And mm -hmm. I, I wonder why that is. I wonder if, if, we, if we really need that to be on this pedestal and, and to be to feel so unachievable what would what would be so wrong with us claiming that because i feel like we're artists of our own lives no matter you know mm. if you have a, a, a certain talent or skill or yeah mm. it's redefining it isn't it for what it means for us yeah and as you say claiming it yeah it's interesting yeah. i find it very interesting as well because when you talk about um the shame of, of artists, you know, which I want you to talk about a little bit more if you feel comfortable. But for me personally, yeah. I've always, I say this often to people in my life and my friends will pick me up on this sometimes. I say always that, oh, I want to come back in my next life as, as an artist or as a more creative person because I always <laughs> feel like that's um, something that, I don't know, I just sort of, have always thought that oh, I wish I was a painter or I wish I was a musician. I mean, I have been, but I wish I'd explored that full time as a, as a musician. Mm -hmm. I don't know. But, you know, so it's really interesting for me to, on the flip side, to hear about the shame that is felt by artists as well, because from my perspective, I don't feel that ever about artists. I almost feel like with an artist, I put them up onto mm. or up on a level that I would oh amazing beautiful love it yeah. you know yeah yeah definitely just just before I go into more of the I would say insecurity um captures it's kind of a good catch-all for for what I generally talk about but um I had a, a point where I was thinking, oh, I wish that I was more creative. I'd sort of stopped performing quite so much. And I, I was definitely leaning into writing and poetry. Um, and I was still singing for myself, but I was mostly coaching. 
And so I asked myself the question, what would my life look like if I was 80% artist and 20% coach? And everything changed. Yeah. So that I would I would just offer that to to you and to anyone else, and you don't have to divide it in those you know those two numbers. But it's it's a really interesting question to yeah. ask because it does create space for that and just a, a shift in perspective as well. Yeah. I think that's really beautiful and something that I've been thinking about this year. Um, I love that you said that because it's just reaffirmed what I'm, I'm doing really, which is coaching and then creating as in writing in the other 20%. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it is true in that respect. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. It's just a good question. It just like sparks new mm-hmm. thoughts, I think. Yeah. Um, in terms of talking about the insecurities, I mean, obviously it's different for everyone. We all have different upbringings. We all have different, um, wounds that are kind of imprinted on us. But uh, so some of the big ones are being afraid to be visible, um, being afraid to take up too much space, uh, especially people who were told at some point in their life that they were too much or too loud. Mm. Um, there's a lot of fear of criticism, which is so challenging because as an artist you sort of you you create something whether it's an experience or a um, a piece of art and you generally will share it with the world and you're going to have people that love it and you're going to have people that it's not their cup of tea and so mm. criticism is something that I mean it's the same with with coaching or being on social media it comes with the territory you are open and vulnerable to people saying I don't like that or um, you don't know what you're talking about so an imposter syndrome would be another one yeah Um, that's a huge one there's so many mm, yeah yeah and the, the way that you were talking about pedestals I actually just spoke Mm. about this on Instagram is that other like artists will put other (laughs) (laughs) we will put other artists on pedestals Mm. so we will look at them like they're these kind of idols or deities and they have something that we don't and that we can never achieve it and so we're constantly comparing to these um, people who are just human and yet have been kind of immortalized um, with their music or their art or um, in some way. Very unhealthy um, to do, isn't it? It's a very unhealthy, yeah. And it's very unhealthy in some ways too because social media even perpetuates that in so many ways, you know. Very much so. Some people I think do, um, and this isn't a judgment at all, it's just I think being real. <laughs> some people do actually glorify, you know, putting people on pedestals and even this word that's coming yes. out a lot, which I really love to encourage people to not use, is to not even, not just the pedestal, but to not even lean into the the use of expanders and all these kinds of language that's coming up around placing people as more elevated than oneself. You know, I think all of this can perpetuate this feeling within us of, well, I'm not good enough compared to that person. I'm not good enough this. And I don't know, as a mental health, health, you know, practitioner, you know, passionate about these things, I see a lot of of this going on in social media and i i understand that for artists this would be a very big thing yeah not just social media but real real life as well but yeah 
Well, yeah, it's, it's real life. It's in business. You know, we'll look to these other people that have these huge followings or earning X amount of money and automatically feel smaller. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I think, I think it's really dangerous because so many of us have a wound of maybe I'm not enough. Mm. And all of this is perpetuating that all of we're sort of looking around, we're going that, yep, that uh, I agree with that. I agree with that. That means I'm not enough. That means that I'm not working hard enough. So overworking is another big thing in the arts because you've got to really work hard to, to stand out or to get jobs or um, that kind of thing. Another job on top of this job to make more money, to make a living, you know? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. It's, there's a lot of, a lot of scarcity in the arts. I know for me, I took jobs I wasn't comfortable with. I took jobs that paid terribly. I took jobs just for exposure. There's, there's so many sort of, I would, I would call them traps, but I, I don't mean that in the way that people shouldn't fall for them because the way that we as a society speak about and treat and, um, sort of, see the artistic community is that that is the norm when it really shouldn't be. Mm, Yeah. Mm, That's so true. You know, I think this whole concept of are you enough? Am I enough? You know, am I good enough? Is something that is probably or quite possibly the number one thing that is. Yeah. 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 All of us in so many different ways. Yeah. And if only we could remove, <laughs> remove that know. and absolutely know within us that we are enough, what would open and what would shift and what would change? I just so often think that it comes, it comes down to that. And then I often does. find myself reflect on, on all these different ways because it's all unique and personal in all our own lived experiences. Mm-hmm. But it so often comes back to that, comes back to that enoughness yeah and I feel that in my chest like when you talk about I feel this worthiness wound in my chest kind of reignite and it's not necessarily even my own I feel it for everyone like I I feel like you can actually feel it on social media sometimes like it's almost palpable yeah and palpable would be the word tangibly I feel it yeah yeah and um, the reason why I very frequently step away when I get that energetic sense of of that feeling through it. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. yeah. yeah. Cause it, it's hard to, I think energetically protect yourself from it as well. Um, mm. Especially if you're a highly sensitive person and you care a lot about the world, it's, it's a lot um, mm. to, to kind of feel into. Um, another couple of things that are big insecurities that I think you're right, stem from the same place is, is perfectionism in the arts Um, and there is no perfect, particularly in the arts. Um, And when you're talking about self-expression, perfectionism is, it really gets in the way. It really paralyzes things. So you actually just stop in your tracks and that voice of it's not perfect, it's not gonna be enough, don't share it is extremely problematic. And the other one is a form of people pleasing, which means that you water down your message or what it is that you want to communicate your story. However, that is, is coming out in an art form so that more people will like it. 
And that's so problematic for the well-being aspect of self-expression because it is meant to be coming from you. It's meant to be, I, I always think of it as like a form of therapy. I'm actually getting things moving out of my body, whether it's through my words or through my voice or through movement. And it, and it is authentically me. It is honestly me. And there's something really beautiful about having the courage to do that. And if you're watering it down, you don't get that. And you also are still going to get criticism or people that don't like it. And it wasn't even honestly yours. And so mm-hmm. that, that can be, yeah, particularly um, a, a brutal kind of double whammy to experience. Yeah. I love so much about how you can feel the passion from you and how you talk about <laughs> the embodiment of the experience. Yeah. So yeah. I know that that's something that, well, that probably comes down into when you use the words sacred relationship with our humanness. That just mm. reminded me of that just because you talk about a lot of um, embodiment of things and a lot of, I know that one of some, a new offering that you've got coming up as well, we might as well take some time to promote this for yourself at the moment, <laughs> um, but that's part of your new website as well. But um yeah, it's probably a perfect lead-in to talk a little mm. bit about that, you know, because this embodiment of it, the movement of it, how you just mentioned that it's a, a huge part of the the well-being aspect of it as well. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Well, I find that so much of the arts, when you put it into institutions or you you melt it down into methods, starts to lose the expression and the physicality of it and the uniqueness of it. And I found that for a very long time, I was singing in my head. So I would be thinking, make this sound sad, rather than my body experiencing sorrow or grief. Mm -hmm. And actually, it's almost like a channeling or letting that come through my body, speak through me so that people can feel it because that's that's when you feel goosebumps. It's not me yeah. thinking I'm going to make a sad noise. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I, I found that when I started to speak about that, that a lot of people identified, they were over-intellectualizing things, which did lead into the, the idea of perfectionism and that there was a right way of doing things and a wrong way of doing things. Yeah. And I especially saw that as a singing teacher and having other singing coaches going, don't listen to this school of thought, this is wrong. And you've only got to be doing it this way. And of course you need to buy this in order to learn how to do it the right way. Mm-hmm. And singing's a really interesting thing because there are a lot of beautiful singers who haven't had training, who just mm-hmm. naturally use their voices. And so something I was really passionate about is having someone come to me and asking, what would you like to do with this? Like, where is the block in terms of what you would like to share, how, how you would like it to come out? Where is their tension? And not get involved in making their sound the sound I thought that they should have. Mm. And a lot of that comes down to intuition because we've, we've lost that disconnect and you might be able to speak to this as well in, in and what you lean into and, and who you work with, but we, we tend to, to be more disembodied now than perhaps ever before. 
We're so up in our heads. We so want to get things right. We don't, we're, we're so fearful of getting things wrong or failing or looking silly. Mm. And so bringing my singing experience into my body was so revolutionary. It, and I was like, oh, this is where it probably used to live as a child. Mm. where it was just, I, I was an artist, like the whole, it was my whole being. It wasn't something I had to try to do. There was no trying involved. Yeah. I love that. And that's what I want people to feel. I want them to feel liberated that it's, that it's just, it's an experience that they create. There's no right or wrong. There's no dogma associated with it. And because the, the voice is so physical, sometimes the way that I get people in, into that experience if they're not used to being in their bodies because it can be unsafe you've got to be really careful that people are ready um, to feel these things one of the ways is i get them to to sing or make sounds or even hum and feel the resonance like feel the vibration that is actually happening within their body Mm. because a lot of us we just we skip that we're listening for did i hit that note right Mm. have i done this right yeah yeah does that, does that speak to it a little yeah. bit? <laughs> you know, it does a lot. <laughs> I have to be careful that I don't ramble on and talk for ages. Because just so oh, I'd love to hear from you. Um, it brings up, do you know, the first thing that, come, that came to mind was it reminded, I just imagined myself as a child and it took me right back into my first love for music, actually, just hearing you talk there and the reason why it, I just had such a passion for music. And I might just share this because it's just yeah. I mean, in the moment just came to me. I felt quite emotional about it. Um, I was that child who loved piano from a very young age and continue to for my entire life basically I love love playing piano love my keyboard and singing but piano from an early age and I was that child who never had to be convinced to practice who always wanted to do my scales and do everything like I used to get up at five o'clock in the morning I think I started learning oh wow (laughs) I think I started learning piano when I was four years old three or four years old, very, very young. My mum started teaching me and then it just all progressed from there. It was such a deep passion for me. And the reason it was such a deep passion for me and continued through school as well is because it was always my way of accessing a part of myself that I wasn't comfortable allowing the rest of the world to see in many ways. Yeah. So it was a safe place within me that I was able to find within myself, connect within myself through my music, you know? So yeah, I definitely resonate with all of that so much, the whole embodiment of that, the whole, um, it was my escapism in many ways and through high school as well. You know, I, Mm. You know, my high school years were very interesting years. <laughs> and even though, you know, I went to a wonderful school, had a wonderful education, was very privileged in that way. Um, I use, music was an escapism for me. I would escape my popular group of friends mm. to go and play down in the music room or 
sing with a group of people instead of being part of, I don't know, it was just, just interesting how it definitely has been a really, yeah, a way to really connect with myself. And I always get this vibe from you that it is a way to come home to yourself, you know, to come yes. hearing you speak just really brought me back and home to myself of the richness and the experience of that in my own life. But when I also hear you talk about, um, you know, the discomfort that we have with sitting in our bodies and with our feelings and emotions that yes, I really do feel that a lot for all of us. And mm. I think that we as human beings don't find it easy to sit with emotions, to be with emotions because it is quite uncomfortable to do so. Um, yeah. It can be very hard <laughs> to to sit with stress, to sit with anxiety, to be with that feeling of it, to be with grief, to be with loss and, and how that really, you know, really makes us feel. And, mm -hmm. but the absolute um, importance and safety and trust of being able to do that with someone, you know, is profound because I know how much feelings and emotions that we hold inside can manifest as physical symptoms, as illness and disease. Yeah. And if we don't allow ourselves that safe space with someone, a coach, a psychologist, a professional of some kind that we feel safe and trusted to be with, then it can manifest in these really unhealthy ways or we can feel out of balance, out of harmony in all aspects. Yeah. You know? And so I think that there is a deep need an allowance for us to, to, to be with ourselves, to be with it all, you know, in a safe and trusted way. Um, yeah. I don't know if that's how, um, yeah. what you said, but it's something absolutely I feel passionate about because I definitely resonate with mind body connection <laughs> and this aspect for our whole well-being and the manifestation of of so much and how self-expression and I guess coming back to you and creativity and artistry can be such a powerful aspect of this um, mm. as a way of working with a voice coach working with I know you do other coaching as well but with voice in particular even singing lessons and having a vocal coach and having this expression of ways to work through things, you know, alongside talking it through as well. I don't ever discount that, but I can see that, um, yeah, it's just such an empowering way, an empowering thing to do. But, yes, it can be Definitely. confronting because it can bring up so much. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And um, a lot of my singing students don't want to, even necessarily perform at the outset it is actually about finding their voice and about expression for them and it's been a desire they've had since they were young that they've kind of bottled away because someone told them that they couldn't sing or that they should be quiet or they should mime in the choir all of those are, are so so normal it just absolutely breaks my heart um i just wanted to speak to what you were saying about your piano playing and the words that came to my mind is that it was a way of 
honoring yourself. Mm. The outside world, sometimes, you know, we, we get caught up in, in almost like being other people and getting caught up in other, other, you know, dramas or what's going on. But it, as you said, it's a homecoming. And so it was a way of like honoring yourself potentially, which yeah. I, I think is so beautiful. It still is. It still mm. is. Absolutely. Yeah. Right. yeah. And, um, and the way that you would practice so regularly, I, I often speak about the difference between devotion and discipline because discipline is such a big thing you have to practice and you have to get to a certain level of mastery in order to be good enough again we come back to this idea of good enough or worthiness mm-hmm. um, and it's such a, a barrier for people to claim their own artistry mm-hmm. and I'm not interested in discipline so I, I've got students that are like I, I just cannot make myself do the scales and I said cool well let's take the tool and, and the idea the technique that we're working on and do it in the song like I don't want to be this person that tells you that scales are better than actually doing it on a melody that you're going to be singing on it's just mm-hmm. someone decided that a long time ago and I would rather that you really want to be in it that you want to mm-hmm. to participate in it rather than leave it because it feels too boring or I, I often think that that music can become more mathematical and yeah. scientific than it can be expressive and so I'm always yeah. about let's let's figure out a way to make this devotion versus devotion. discipline if that doesn't work for you it's so beautiful because it's almost yeah. like a an effortless reminds me of meditation practice of being mm. you know, devoted to an effortless meditation where it feels you can just feel more calm and ease, but no, I mean, discipline is something it just, discipline is ties into all those themes of placing pressures and expectations on ourselves, striving and pushing and trying so hard. And I know those themes so well in my own life, you know, Mm -hmm. certainly from being a past marathon runner and long and run training for hours and hours and hours and pushing myself, trying so hard. And we all can relate to that in all aspects of our lives. I think it's such a, a common theme and, you know, having to have the, I guess discipline can be not a bad thing if it's something that we feel good about doing, you know, we exactly. have, a, some people love the idea of it, you know, it depends how you redefine it, I guess. But if discipline is something that is something that you're feeling that you should do or that you must mm-hmm. do, or that's taking you into that place of um, expectation or pressure and out of yourself rather than in, in, you know, a consistent sort of flow that this is what I choose to do. This is what I want to do. Yeah. Yeah. Well, again, it's an honoring of creativity versus should. And so the reason I, it sort of came to me is that I was having people come into my studio with shame that they hadn't practiced. Yeah. And I found that so fascinating. I was like, I'm not, I'm not judging you. I'm not disappointed. (laughs) I want this to be whatever you would like it to be. How can we navigate this so that you don't feel this immense pressure, but you're right. Our society is about excelling and striving and success and Mm -hmm. being more, getting more. And so that's why I feel like I had this, this moment with self-development that I was like, 
there has to be some middle ground in this. It cannot be constant growth. There has to be a part where we sit with, I'm not growing. I just am. And I'm worthy. Mm. That's hard. Like people think that people actually sort of distract themselves with the constant growing, I think, because it feels like they like momentum and society encourages the momentum. And so there is that discomfort when you come back into your body and your emotions and you, you just are, you don't need to change. It feels strange, but it's, it's what we're craving. And so I think that's what I love about that side of my coaching is that I can witness people and remind them that they are perfect as they are in their humanness that without doing anything that I can see you and I see your value. And that's, it always brings tears to people's eyes. That's all that they want to hear. They just want to be acknowledged. And back to what you're saying about emotions being uncomfortable in the body. It 100% is. And I think grief is the the hardest one. Um, I'm not going to go on a tangent into like how we see grief and death in our society. That's, <laughs> that's another podcast in itself, but it adds to it, of course. But I like to think of when I'm sitting with uncomfortable emotions, anxiety is a big one for me, that I, it reminds me of my aliveness. Mm. That helps me if I, if I look at it as a sensation. So for me, it's usually a tightening of my chest or maybe it's like a, a sweatiness or a tingling somewhere. I'm like, okay, I can sit with tightening. I can sit with tingling and it reminds me that I'm alive mm-hmm. versus if I just numb this out with TV, with consumption, with um, alcohol, with whatever, you know, we all have different things that we turn to. Yeah. I feel more numb. I don't feel more alive. And that's what I think so many of us are wanting. So many of us are wanting to, and I think this comes full full circle. What I see devotion to creativity as being and the embodiment of that and involving emotions and expression in that is a real participation in our lives. Mm. Because we're such observers and so much of the time. participants in our own lives, in our enlivenedness. Is that a word? Yeah, I love it. That's exactly where <laughs> I'm going with this. Yeah, with creating art out of your life. You have to be a participant. If you're just watching, we don't get the same, yeah, that same vibrancy. So perhaps the that question same. is, Kim, to, yeah, perhaps the question is, how can I bring devotion to this? you know, rather than, you know, just switching it around rather than, you know, if it is discipline that is a, you know, leading to an out of body experience that's feeling pressured and expectation, all those not so helpful things is the question, how can I bring more devotion to this? Mm. I guess it reminds me of, of questions like, how can this be lighter? How can this be easier? How can this support me more? Well, how can I bring more devotion to this? Yeah. Yeah. And devotion kind of pairs in with the whole idea that this is sacred. Mm. Like this, this part, can be part of me. It's a part of me connecting yeah. home to oneself. Yeah. yeah. It's really special mm. and it is, it's a gift that we give ourselves. And I think, going back to that worthiness wound, because people are like, how do I make time for this? 
Mm. And that's what it is. It's that we don't think that we deserve to make time for it. We're so caught up in what we need to achieve and do and um, produce and be seen to be doing Mm. because we don't feel like we're enough. And so we're constantly chasing and trying to live up to other expectations, whether it's societal or actual people in our lives, that our own devotion to our self-expression and just who we are as a human and our own needs and what brings us back to home and wholeness mm. is left till the very end it's after laundry for god's sakes yeah <laughs> like, yeah yeah i know exactly what you mean but if you are 80 percent artist and 20 percent other yeah does that change things going back to that question maybe maybe not it's a very interesting thing isn't it both of us um being involved in the self-help and self-improvement space where there is and there can be if you choose to lean into it i would encourage people to not choose to lean into it all the time but there can be a yeah it can add to pressure and expectation of i i must improve myself (laughs) i must Mm -hmm. change myself i must fix myself yeah instead of um yeah, just this acceptance and allowing and being just who we are. Yeah. And I think that sometimes that can feel really, I don't know, more more uncomfortable or even perhaps boring to some to just be, you know, to just accept that, oh, I'm, I am, mm. I am. But I just know, I know for me and I know for clients that I've worked with, you know, to get to that place where you just absolutely realise that I don't need to improve myself. I don't need to be trying so hard. I don't need to fix anything. I don't need to change anything. It's all just as I am is all, is all that I need. It's just coming home to these parts of myself, you know. Yeah. And that like that shifts something in your nervous system. If we go back to wellness, it really does. Yeah. Um, and I, yeah, I agree with you. It just, it takes you from, um, I don't know, from that adrenaline output to the noradrenaline in the chemistry language, but from pushing and striving to the rest and relaxation, to the restoration, the renewal, all those beautiful luscious things, you know, and yeah, I don't mean it as a judgment at all in the coaching space because I think there are some no. very, very good coaches out there and it's wonderful. But it is actually a reason that I really do value being a therapist alongside because I do deeply value therapy as a space that doesn't encourage mm. people to fix or to change or to strive and improve oneself. <laughs> so yes. I do yeah. find myself personally coming back to, or I guess, reclaiming parts of myself even in bringing everything together because of those things but I do know for you with your message Kim that you you often do talk about not fixing not changing and not not wanting to and I I always lean into those messages because they just resonate Mm. so much from my own heart space as well yeah well and I um I've started a counseling diploma because I (laughs) wanted to have that. Yeah. As, as part of my toolkit as well. A lot of what I do is pretty intuitive and I just wanted to have the backbone of that as well because I know that, yeah, I mean, it's the same as any industry. There are criticisms of different schools of thought, et cetera, et cetera. But I think having it there and then being able to, yeah, 
yeah. like into integrate that is really important. So yeah, I'm excited okay. to to complete that. Um, yeah, love that. Oh, we're so aligned, you and I, with the. Yeah. <laughs> But, you know, I just think it can be really exhausting to lean into all the time into that motivational aspect of the self-development yeah. space all the time, you know. And, well, you know, I love it. It's very uplifting. It's so important to be optimistic. And I certainly um, know that I touch into those places for myself to, to feel uplifted. But I don't consider myself to be a motivational speaker in that way at all. Um, but... No. I do find it exhausting at times if you, in the ways that we we can intentionally choose to to take it in, you know, within ourselves. Yeah, it can. We can either choose. Well, it's it just, it, you know, choose it to be uplifting, but in other ways, it can sometimes just be exhausting. So yeah. Yeah. Mm. Well, it, it's again, it taps into that not enoughness because on the days that you're feeling lower in the days that you're experiencing anxiety, where you're experiencing comparison, rejection, grief, uh, fear, etc. You then are watching those or, or seeing those messages and thinking, why can't I be like that? Why mm. am I low? Why am I not upbeat all of the time? Yeah. And so I don't think that they leave room for that a lot of the time. Mm. What I think, and it's just come to me now, which is interesting, because I've always I've been trying to figure out where is the balance here, because you want to have you know one foot in each world and in soul and in spirit is the way that I like to think about it. Yeah, yeah, I love that. Um, <laughs> but I think it's when you when you are believing that you are enough without doing anything, that's a space that you can then move into growth, because it, it's it's a choice from. I would like to see what I am capable of, what I can create, how I can move into this versus I need to do that in order to prove myself, be good enough, be worthy, be praised, be accepted, be successful. Whatever, like when you're striving to achieve something by doing the growth, by getting the thing, by becoming this person, I think that can be really dangerous. But if you do it from a grounded place and by the way, everyone, this grounded place shifts all the time. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. like, you know, sand dunes or something. It's constantly shifting. Yeah. But yeah, when, when I notice myself kind of outside of my body, outside of that um, intrinsic value, it's, it's then that I have to reel myself back. I need to remind myself, I don't need to change. I don't need to grow. I am just enough as I am. And once I'm solid in that, then I can like peek out the door and, and go back into, you know, yeah, the, the self-development space or coaching yeah. space or whatever. So I think that there's, they definitely have their, their oh, um, positive place, mindset. as you said. I mean, yeah. It's so important. It's vital. I would encourage everyone to, to you know, to be doing you know, I don't even like to say do the work on yourself because I think that even brings up language of hard, of hard work. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's, mm-hmm. yeah, just, but, you know, we all choose, we all desire to feel uplifted and optimistic. That's so important as part of our well-being. But um, I just feel that sometimes the positivity messages can be taken in a way that even um, doesn't allow us to come back to this embodying and how yeah. we embody feelings and emotions. It can almost um, 
you know, bypass a lot of those things. And, yes. um, you know, if you just take for an example, someone who lives with a health condition or a health issue of some kind, and some so often I know and believe um, it's not always emotional, but there are always going to be emotional connections between all kinds mm-hmm. of health symptoms that we live with. And sometimes, you know, it just depends if we just leap straight into changing our mindset so quickly and leaping into the positivity side of it or doing something the way someone else is doing it rather than taking the time to come back as we were talking about embodying it and and feeling it and being with it within Mm. ourselves. Um, That doesn't actually have to be as scary and confronting, you know, I mean, if you have, if you are in a safe and trusted space with someone to do it, even through the ways that you do it through someone like me through meditation is a way to do this as well just by Mm -hmm. being with emotions and feelings but then we're not bypassing them at all and we're not carrying them so much anymore and i think it allows Mm -hmm. such a freedom for um for our bodies for all parts of us as whole beings to heal really um yeah anyway that's just something and i wonder if um something that just came to me. I wonder if uh, coaches at least started their sessions or interactions with clients in a therapist way where you, it's like, where are you at right now? Whether that would be helpful. I know for me, when I was, when I first started, even just, I shouldn't say job, but even singing coaching, which is like a, a very specific, you know, lens and, and what we're doing in there. You shouldn't say so much of the, yeah, no, no, taking it, taking it out. <laughs> um, it's, yeah, it's, it's so inbuilt. It's just, mm. just singing. Anyway. Um, you have such a beautiful singing voice and such beautiful <laughs> teeth, Kim. Thank you. <laughs> it's amazing. I mean, I just want to take this opportunity now before I forget that if, you know, Kim does actually sing sometimes on her Instagram things. And whenever I've been so fortunate to, you know, be seeing something that's coming. It's just, oh, it's so beautiful. Your voice is just gorgeous. <laughs> it's very soothing. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Anyway. Yeah, it feels that way now that I, I don't micromanage it. I want to just let it, let it come through. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I found as a, as a, a, particularly early in my coaching career, the, the movement or the improvement of, my client was very important to me, not for them, but for me. Mm. So to make me feel like I was doing a good job. Mm. And I think that's, I don't know how many, you know, coaches or people that work in that kind of space listen, but I, I just thought that I would mention that because that is something that I really had to catch myself on because it's again, trying to like push somebody forward when maybe they're not ready to. And, you know, I had had students that, I would say, oh, like, let's do this and this. And they actually, can I, can I just sing something really fun today? Yeah. Yeah, of course. Like sometimes they don't want to do the really hard thing and challenge themselves and work on this and, you know, pull this apart. Sometimes they just want to be in, you know, used to be in the room and in the space and just have fun. And I needed to, to realize that that was what I was holding space for and that that was also very valuable. Yeah, just witnessing them where they where they are. Well, I so, think you've yeah, used that ties the, into it. I think you've used the really the perfect words there, holding space for someone, because 
you know, it's, it's not about us as coaches. Well, this is my belief anyway. It's not about us as coaches. It's certainly not about me as a therapist or as any practitioner, any, anyone that you are. It's not about us. It's about a client. It's about the person witnessing where they're at, holding space for where they're at and the absolute acknowledgement of their experience within it all in that mm. moment. So, yeah, I think that's really... But you have to deal with your own worthiness wound before you can actually yeah. reach that point, right? <laughs> yeah, you do. But it's worth reflecting on for everyone, really, mm. I think. We can only... Um, all improve ourselves and, you know, improve our industry by, you know, talking about these things more and contemplating yeah. and reflecting on things. Yeah. I wanted well, to even like talking about it. I was like, Oh, there's a bit of shame that comes up that I'm admitting that I, you know, operated in that way or I had to come to that conclusion. So I was like, Oh, hi. Okay. There's that little voice. Haven't, haven't heard you around this for a while. So. Yeah. 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 I think that happens. That's just a part of it for us all though, you know, just to recognize that within ourselves, be aware of it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I wanted to just ask you a couple of questions before we finish. Cause I know we could talk for a long yeah. time. <laughs> I think <laughs> it's a really interesting topic to talk about. And I know that you've had, you will have had experience of this yourself is the whole concept of failing <laughs> and, mm. you know, not, um, wanting to be brave or wanting to, to, I don't know, do things or, you know, because we might have a feel, a, fa a fear, can't get my words out, a fear of failing or even feeling that failure is uh, a scary thing or a not so good thing. And I wanted to ask you this because you would have had experience with criticism, I imagine, as a musician having, because I know that you've, put a couple of songs out there haven't you as well mm -hmm. yeah mm -hmm. so I, if you're willing and would like to share I think it would be really valuable to just hear yeah. your thoughts around that how you've dealt with that and your own um relationship with failure <laughs> yeah and of course it's it's evolved over time I um one of the problems with failure for me was particularly in the realm of singing because singing was such a part of my identity. So when I was young, it was really the only thing that I thought was worthy about me. And that was extremely problematic because I put so much pressure, all my eggs in, in this one basket. And so if I was criticized or if I failed or if I didn't get a, a role in a, a musical, I, I, that hit me really hard. Mm. Um, and I, I kind of got into like quite self-destructive behavior and um, didn't, didn't um, act with a lot of grace when the, these sort of things would happen. Um, so that's sort of my teen of years and early twenties. A lot of actors <laughs> would relate to that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. It was really tough. Um, and then I think the first big failure after that, when I was really just trying to do things courageously was releasing my book. And you would will probably um, have felt similar like apprehension. And there's a lot of imposter syndrome that comes with claiming the word author for sure. Mm -hmm. yeah. And I got a really bad Amazon review ah. and it really, it really hit me because it, of this one phrase, which was like a, it was like something like a 
average book or bad book from a failed artist. So he called me a failed artist. I thought, you know, oh my gosh, like maybe I am. And all, all of the, you know, the worthiness is just completely erupted on me. Mm-hmm. I ate chocolate chip cookies for breakfast. I like bawled my eyes out. I rang my, you know, my best friend and yeah. kind of was like, this is what's happened and had her just, just remind me who I am. I think it's so nice to have somebody that you can reach out, whether it's a friend or a, a professional yeah. to just ground you in who you actually are, because it can spin yeah. you out. You can, you can, completely just not see any of the good. And I couldn't definitely hear or remember any of the great reviews that I had or emails, like powerful emails from people that I'd had about this book. And the way that I actually moved through that was I, I had to take my own medicine. I had to feel into the ferocity that I have defending other artists and give that to myself. And I did that through a, a podcast episode. And I think it's my, my most listened to podcast episode um, where I wrote them a letter. And I was like, you know, I, I appreciate that you're able to have your opinion and I don't know what's going on with you in your life, but this is not okay. <laughs> like, yeah. You know, you, you probably haven't done anything like this before. And this is what it does to a person when you say things like you're a failed artist mm-hmm. um, from, you know, a, a screen and, and no, and a faceless, you know, username. And yeah, I, I think it was really nice to create something of value out of that. It really sort of, it helped me move through that. And with the music, I realized that I didn't, I didn't know what a success was. So I think this is really important when you put something out into the world is to gauge what you even want out of it. Mm, Yes. Yes. Because... I, I did it. Like I, I released these songs and it was, that was what I wanted to do. And I'd convinced myself that was all that I wanted. And then months later I reflected on actually, you know what I want? I wanted it to be played on the radio, mm. but I didn't back myself enough. I didn't, you know, I didn't get a manager. I didn't, um, I approached like two radio stations in this furtive email that I didn't follow up with. I didn't, I did very little promotion because I, I felt uncomfortable claiming myself as an artist. Mm-hmm. And so then I had to sit in the failure of you didn't go all in, you didn't back your own art. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that was tough because it's not, it's not necessarily a, a failure that everybody sees, but mm-hmm. um, yeah, to not have, have believed in yourself and always wonder like, what if I'd, I'd gone for it, but it's, it's a beautiful lesson. And so with all of my failures, they show me something about myself. And I I don't know, there's lots of quotes that talk about like, it's only a failure if you don't, you know, learn from it or you don't receive the lesson. And it's super cliche, but it actually is incredibly true. (laughs) I think, I think it's just so true what you said though, about, um, you know, when you're creating something or when you're putting something out there to, to know within our own selves, our own hearts, what's, what, what's my intention with this? What do I, what's, what's going to feel like success for me with this? And fulfillment. Yeah. Yeah. And to be really clear about that because, um, 
firstly, it helps us, doesn't it, with our own direction and taking consistent steps maybe to mm-hmm. doing things so that we're not holding ourselves back with that. But also I think that it can just really ground us in knowing, well, what's my intention with this? What's my, what I'm creating this and putting it out there and do I want this to be a bestseller or am I happy for this to be, um, to just reach, you know, the hands of the right people or am I happy for yeah. this to be just, um, I don't know, whatever it means, you know, I had to do this. Because those are world apart. Yeah. World's you know, apart. I think that when people are writing a book, for instance, that's something that I can relate to with it. And, you know, do you want this to be a bestseller or do you want this to be something that you just give to your clients or do you want this to be something that you, that's an ebook and that you can just download or something, or do you want to promote it? Do you want to PR it, you know, to be really clear about that so that, um, yeah, I think it lessens the sense of failure in oneself for one thing. Yeah. But I don't know if there's any answer to failure or the criticism that we receive i mean that would have been very difficult to receive that criticism on amazon i've heard these stories so often from other people (laughs) and yeah i just well um, and then it got and then it was deleted it was so weird as well like i I released the podcast episode and i don't know if their account got removed because they left very bizarre reviews on a lot of things so I don't know if Amazon deactivated the account or if they heard my podcast that's the story I tell myself is that they heard and they're like you're right left a lot of reviews on a lot of different things so and the other Mm -hmm. thing it's very easy to say this in hindsight and to be external to the situation when it's not happening to one to myself but yeah you know when there's criticism that comes you just never know what's going on in that person's life where it's exactly they potentially might have called you a failed artist because they are feeling that failure within themselves. They're, they're feeling mm. that they're a failed artist. So, you know, or all kinds of reasons. We just never, ever know. And so something I also think we I need to be discerning. Think, yeah. And you something don't... I think is really empowering as well is to, for anyone who is receiving criticism like this, because it's going to happen to all of us if we're creating something and putting it out there in the world, creating, you know, launching a book, launching a song, doing whatever it is, you know, smaller scale or grander scale, we're going to receive criticism of some kinds. But to remind ourselves of, well, first of all, to ask, to remind ourselves that we don't know this person and we don't know their background or where they're coming from or what's going on in their lives. And mm-hmm. we don't know that it's even, you know, to invest all of our energy into soaking up all of those words and letting that rip our souls out. (laughs) It really, you know, might not be worth our energy doing that at all. And also just to go back to those other emails, the other words of beautiful things that people have written to, you know, empower us and to help us to go back into that place of self-belief that we know it's true, you know, because when we launch something into the world, we do it from a place of self-belief. We get to that place mm-hmm. where we go, I know I want to create this. I know I want to publish mm-hmm. this. I know I want to put it out there because I do believe within myself that this is something I love and it's going, the right people are going to love it too, you know? Mm-hmm. So I think it's important to go back to those emails that you receive that, are full of positive words to let go yeah. of that one critic, that one review. 
No. Well, and, and we need to be discerning about who we take criticism seriously from. And so Brene Brown has a fabulous quote about, and I'm, I'm going to butcher it, but it's, if you're not in the arena getting yes. your ass kicked, then I don't, I'm not going to take your opinion. And I think that's brilliant because yes. there are so many people that give opinions on yeah performing or singing and putting yourself out on YouTube is, is the, yeah. the worst place for trolls that I've experienced. Um, yes. And I'm like, well, where's yours? Like, where are you yeah. being brave doing this exact same thing? Cause they're yeah. not. Um, so that can be, that can be kind of helpful to, to add some fire. And then you have the water with the compassion of, I don't know what's going on with this person. You yeah. know, let's, let's just give them the benefit of the doubt or just kindness anyway. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I remember you know, saying also in discount that you're allowed to feel upset by it. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. And I, and I did. <laughs> yeah. I just yeah. wanted to and, um, ask you um, for anyone listening in that quote from Brene Brown, that's taken from her Netflix, isn't it? From her Netflix. That's a great question. I feel like it was originally in a book and I want to say that it's potentially daring greatly. Um, but she definitely would have mentioned it again in the yeah. Netflix because she she draws kind of the the biggest themes yeah. from her books in that, and that's a fabulous special. I love any, Renee. Yeah, Brown. if anyone hasn't looked at or listened to the Netflix, Renee yeah, Brown, please do. One, it's really great. I loved it. Yeah, I had a lot of take. And I just yeah, and I just wanted to also reiterate that we're only hurt by criticism that we that is in that worthiness wound. Mm. If he'd said to me. Like you, your beard looks horrible. It w- it would have just rolled right off my back because I'm like, well, I don't have a beard. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't believe that to be true about myself. Yeah, I'm not insecure about that. Whereas it's the ones that, mm. yeah, that really touch on. Oh my gosh, I was worried that that I wasn't worthy enough here. I was worried mm. that I had to change in order to be x y z that's the yeah they only it only penetrates when the wound is already there i think Mm. otherwise we think it's ridiculous yeah i think that's very true yeah ah i think that i'm going to need to you know close our beautiful conversation but i wanted to take this opportunity to ask you to close it in the way that feels most right and true for you because it's been such a pleasure to share with you and i'm i think we're going to have to have a part two conversation to so many (laughs) but kim because i would love to include in the show notes where people can find you and connect with you yeah um you do have two websites now is that right would you like yes so there's that sweet raw yeah, that sweet raw R O A R um, dot com is where all of my singing stuff is. So whether or not you're just wanting to wade in and explore, there's a whole bunch of training videos and workshops and things over there, um, articles. And then embodyyourartistry.com is my new one. And that is for all artists. So it's not just exclusively for singers um, because the themes that I love to talk into. Yeah. Anyone that deems themselves creative. Yeah. Um, And, and might like to, to expand their, their devotion into that. Um, As we were talking about, like, I think that everyone, that's probably what I want to finish on is that if you feel uncomfortable owning the word artist or even owning that you are creative, I think we're all innately creative. 
I honestly think that all of us want to participate in our lives in that way. We want to embrace sensation and embrace aliveness and embrace beauty. And all of this is part of creativity. And so my big mission is to encourage people to like tug on that thread, just, just tug on it, just see where it leads you mm-hmm. and, and allow yourself to sit with maybe this can be a part of who I am, or maybe this can be a bigger part of who I am mm-hmm. because yeah, we, we all want to be seen in this. And, and so I just want to reflect that back to people that everyone I think without fail that I've worked with is more innately artistic and beautiful and whole and has like rich experience underneath them more so than they can recognize. Mm. Well, the tapestry of who we are as human beings is art in itself, isn't it? 100%. You just think about, you know, the anatomy of the human body and how intricate it all is. That's in itself a tapestry of art. So yeah, all artistic, but it is very true that I think so many of us, yeah, just struggle with, you know, am I creative or, you know, or I'm not creative. I'm not a creative person, but creativity can come in so many ways, can't it? In so many shapes and forms. And Language is so powerful. Choose something that works for you that you can lean into. Yeah, Yeah, that's so nourishing. Yeah. And also self-expression, Kim, is such a beautiful and healing part of well-being too, isn't it? Yeah. 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 And, and that's what takes, I think, artists into leaders Mm. is actually having the courage to express it and being solid within themselves as they do and as they receive criticism and as they receive rejection Um, and just create anyone. That's how you step into leadership is, is expressing it and, and holding firm. And it's not easy, but it, it becomes easier when you really tend to those sensitive parts of yourself and start to honor them and start to, um, I guess, see that is really, really valuable. Mm-hmm. That's, that, that's incredibly valuable spent time to me okay. is, is my devotion to my inner landscape and, and well-being, yeah. Yeah, bringing it back to that. Yeah. yeah. Oh, Kim, that's been so gorgeous to connect with you. I've really loved this conversation. I know me that too. people listening in will really love it as well. Just, to finish, I just wanted to ask you what the name of your podcast is, your solo podcast that you do, because that yeah. might be something that people would love to connect with as well. Yeah, so that's the moderately tortured artist. <laughs> <laughs> what a name. Yeah, well, that's the name of my book as well, and I just yes. loved the name so much that I, yes. I wanted to um, bring that across to the podcast because we are. <laughs> Yeah. And there's no yeah. shame. Is that, how the, is that how the podcast formed from your book? You did, you wrote the book? Yeah. Yes. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I have to ask you. I had more, I had more to say. <laughs> yeah. But tortured, I have to ask you because tortured is such a, um, it's such a word <laughs> in mm. itself to use. Well, there is, the, right. it's, there's an expression, the tortured artist. So people talk mm. about that as almost like an archetype that we've created. And so I wanted to just take that and make it more tongue in cheek and, and mm. help people recognize that it's, it's not quite as heavy and dark as that. And it's also, it's woven through each and every one of us. And there's something so comforting about knowing that everyone else experiences this. Yeah. Yeah. 
Well, I've listened to a few episodes of Kim's podcast, The Moderately Tortured Artist, and yeah, she's very um, articulate in how she expresses herself here, as I suppose we would expect any voice coach to be really, but... <laughs> But yeah, it's really yeah, Thank it's great. You. It's a great podcast to listen into. So I highly recommend it as well. So thanks. So I much. would love to thank you, Kim, for joining me today for a beautiful conversation. Thank you so much for joining me from Perth. <laughs> mm, it's been such an honor. And I hope that, yeah, your audience gets a lot out of this. And, and anyone that would like to reach out, please feel free to uh, either via my websites or Instagram, I'm by Kimberly Smith, L-E-Y. Um, yeah, please just send me a message. I'm always available. Yeah. So, I will make sure I put all those details in the show notes. So thank you so much. Thank you for having me. So I think that I will just um, finish the episode now by saying thank you so much for listening into this conversation with myself and Kim. And, yeah, I know that you will take a lot away from it and I really encourage you to connect with her at all those places that we've just spoken about. So, and yeah, I hope that wherever you're listening in, however this finds you, that you're well. And until next time, I just want to say thanks again for listening in and bye for now.